This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app today. Use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to address a photo that's making its way around on Twitter, and I'm going to give you a peek early into this Saturday's UFC 274. But before we get to all that, 
I want to begin by looking back at a big weekend in combat. Rob fought Cheeto Bear. What did you guys think? And the reason I asked you that, if you would have held my feet to the fire right when the fight is done, but before the announcement's made, said, Chael, tell us who's going to win. I think I would have said Rob Font. But are you hearing how I'm wording that? Like, I acknowledge that it was really close, and I acknowledge that it was really hard to score. You've got the forward motion and the output by Rob Font. In a broad stroke, if you're the one going forward, and you're the one throwing more punches, you're going to win the fight. That's in a broad stroke. You had a rare and effective power by Cheeto Vera. Right, I mean, Cheeto's putting you down. But that's been tested before. Uriah favored Dominic Cruz. Dominic won the fight, the one in the UFC, but Faber had dropped Dominic three times. So Faber thought, hey, under boxing, what do you talk about him losing these rounds? But nobody can play, because we understand that MMA is different. We understand that a knockdown does not change everything that happened prior and everything that happens next in the round, but it does mean something. And I only bring that to you because I thought it was a great fight. No, nobody agreed with me, though. As a matter of fact, guys, here, I'll tell you a quick fun fact. So you go to those fights. This case, it was in Nevada. The commission brings in eight judges. Now, each fight has three judges, but there's 11 fights over the course of the night, and the commission rotates them. I spoke to a judge who was not on that fight. He was there that night, but he did not have the main event. He agreed with me. He said Font won the fight. I'm not trying to revisit that. I don't want to take away from Cheeto. <clears throat> but sometimes, even in defeat, we got to give this guy his due. I mean, one takeaway I had as it does pertain to Rob Font is, God damn, Rob is a good fighter. Rob Font successfully fights the way and fought the way specifically on Saturday that Clayton Hires tried to get me to do for 11 years. Everything that Clayton trained me to do and want, skills that he wanted me to have, I'm talking about leading with the jab. Not trying to hurt a guy, just know where he is, just measure him, boom, the power comes in. In Rob's case, it was a jab, it was an uppercut, it was a jab, hook to the body. But everything that Clayton tried to instill in me, Rob's out there doing it. Rob Font looked great. Now, you got to come to Cheeto. You must study the entirety of Cheeto's career. Because Cheeto Vera was not a main eventer. Cheeto Vera was not a main carter. And Cheeto was not a guy who is likely to still be around. In all fairness, I think he was 2-2 two and two at one point, but they weren't impressive. The wins weren't like, oh my gosh, he beat that guy. The losses weren't, well, you know, he lost. They, were, they were just fights. He was 2-2. Two and two. I believe at one point in his, his career, he was two wins and three losses. I think, I know that I'm close. But my point being, he did turn things around. And when you have a guy that can lose focus in a fight, you just can't main event him. If a guy loses focus in 15 minutes... Of course, he's going to lose focus within 25, but that's not the case with Cheeto. And Cheeto goes out there with a real belief in himself. He's changed something. If I could speak to him and I could ask him this question, I guarantee there is an answer. What have you changed? In the last two years, in the last three years, what are you now doing different? Because he is very different. His composure out there is incredible. You could punch Cheeto right in the face. He's going to have just as good of a day as if he was never punched at all, right? One of those guys. I fully believe if you like Nate Diaz, then you have to like Cheeto. They're the same guy in terms of performance, in terms of outlook to competition, in terms of volumes, in terms of staying in the fire, in, ter in the fire, in terms of being fun to watch. If you like Nate Diaz and you're a fan, you gotta be a fan of Cheeto Vera. I really believe that. Now Cheeto's got some good power, Cheeto, and he put him down. One thing after the fight that dismisses 
my original projection for you that I thought Rob fought one. One thing after the fight is the two fighters always know who won. They always know who won. And Cheeto was absolutely certain that that was him. When Rob came out of that fight, you know, th think about when they're, when they're raising their hand. They're in the middle there, right at the end. I mean, Rob looked like he'd been through a meat grinder. It's very hard to look like you've been through a meat grinder and win an MMA competition. It's just difficult. Like that old school, right? You remember that on the playground? Whoever was marked up more lost because we didn't know what we were looking at. We didn't even know what fighting was. We didn't know what we should be looking for. But remember how that's a real, very real thing? That carries over to the pros. To some degree, I can remember a great fight. George St. Pierre extremely clearly beat BJ Penn. George beat him in rounds two and three. They were close. George for sure won those rounds. BJ beat the hell out of George in round one. And I remember that BJ, respected, had been ranked number one in the world, was a world champion, was dead serious when he was yelling to the judges after the decision, look at his face and look at mine. Like that, that is a real thing to some degree. And Rob Font in that moment before they raised their hands did look like he knew he was defeated. I'm just sharing, he fought a damn good fight. Like Rob never quit. When you're dealing with power, when you're getting hurt, when guys are coming back, when things are going your way and all of a sudden they're not right, when you're one of these back and forth wars, you're dealing with adversity, one guy breaks. That's what the entire sport is about. We predicate that around the unified rules. We predicate that behind punches and kicks. It's about making the other guy quit. And one guy always does. Well, always is a broad stroke. It's not literal. But Rob Font never took his foot off the gas. He was coming at him. Every shot that Cheeto landed is because of Rob's action. Rob was a bull. He's coming at him. Boom. Cheeto can throw that kick up. Rob's walking right into it. Doubles the power, right? It was one of those things. I just thought it was a great match, but I, I have to really give both guys credit. I do. And the turnaround in Cheeto Vera's career, truly, when I tell you this, it's going to sound cold. You would not have predicted three years ago that Cheeto would still be here. It's the truth. Cheeto would agree with that. You would not have predicted three years ago that Cheeto's going to be a top five ranked guy in the world. You would not have predicted years ago that he's going to be calling out guys like Jose Aldo for rematches, that he's going to be getting matches with stars like Sean O'Malley, and ultimately that he's going to be main eventing, let alone winning, on the worldwide leader. It is an incredible comeback, and I don't feel like he gets credit for it. I think he just didn't know who he was. Some of you think, oh, this Cheeto Vera guy, he's brand new. I've seen him do some really good work. Nah, nah, Cheeto's a veteran. Cheeto's been around, but somewhere in his career, Cheeto made some changes. Very good ones. I thought it was a great fight. I thought both guys looked awesome. Congrats to Cheetah. So we didn't talk about it much last week, but in case you missed it, there was a massive boxing event on Saturday between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. And the promoters behind that fight are two of the biggest names in all of boxing, Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn. All right, Jake Paul, Eddie Hearn. Now, I talked to you guys last week they were doing a press conference and those two had an impromptu bet. So when I came and spoke to you guys, I just simply said, I asked the question, can you do that? I don't actually know the rule on that. I know that Dana has only bet on a fight one time since he's been in the business, but it was in Japan and somebody else's organization when he brought his athlete, Chuck Liddell. I know Pete Rose had something to do with gambling. And I know John Anik told me one time, once I got this job, I don't bet on fights anymore. I, I don't know if it's an actual rule. I don't know if it's a policy or a rule. That's what I'm talking about. So I asked you, hey, can, can he make that bet? 
And when you're betting on your own guy, probably, but I brought it to you. And I also shared with you that I did not believe Eddie wanted to be in that position. The cameras were rolling. He's trying to promote something. He's got an ego like anybody. He agreed to it. But I thought he gave himself some room because he said we're going to have to get some paperwork together. He did some stuff to make sure that there was some room. Well, the fight ends. Eddie wins the bet. Eddie's girl wins. And Jake Paul said, no, I don't have to pay him. After the cameras were off when we went in the back, Eddie said, I don't want to do the bet. All right, fine. I'm simply giving you the answer to that, but Eddie and Jake were not partners. These two put on an interesting press conference. Then they even sat down with Errol Hawani in a piece that has been viewed a million times on YouTube. They had a very interesting sit down and these two were not working together. This was real. And I like when Eddie speaks, right? Eddie's a real handsome guy. He always dresses real sharp. He's very well-spoken and he has a plan. Two things that are very rare in the boxing business, like a, a fight broke out in Vegas at a press conference over the weekend. A fight, a they are fighting, the police and the security, everybody's left their chair. Bob Arum was sitting on stage and said into a hot mic three times, what is, what's happening? What, what, what is happening? Like you can't, you can't see what's going on. So when you get an Eddie Hearn, it's, it's a very nice and pleasant surprise is all I'm sharing with you. But Eddie sits down with Jake and Eddie was doing his version to shoot straight, which was to tell Jake, you're not a very good boxer. You're average. Now, when Jake Paul is at his best, when he is doing his finest work, he is not doing impressions. He is not making faces. He's not wearing something silly. When Jake Paul is at his absolute best, he reveals to the audience that he's vulnerable, that he has feelings, and that he has an ego like anybody. And it bothered him. It hurt Jake's feelings. But Jake didn't hide that. He said to Eddie, how can you say this about me? I've never lost. Not only have I never lost, Eddie's contention, you're not a boxer. He said, what are you talking about? This is what I do. I'm selling out arenas. I'm licensed. I'm fighting guys. I'm making weight. I'm sacrificing twice a day. Not to mention, I've done it four times successfully. And I knocked them all out. And Eddie responded, yeah, but those weren't against boxers. Those weren't against real fighters. I apologize. Let me correct that. They weren't against real fighters. So Jake responded to that too. Hey, what do you, Tyron Woodley is a multiple time world champion. He's a multiple time collegiate All-American. This is a very real guy. And Eddie dismissed it. He said, well, no, he's, he's not a boxer. He's a very good fighter. He's not a boxer. So it's one of these things. And it really is a very tough spot. Like what would Jake have to do to qualify to be in the club? And I don't know that answer. In the amateurs, it would be very clear. He could enter the Golden Gloves. He could enter state championships. He could enter national championships. He could try to pursue a world and or Olympic team. Like there is a hierarchy. There is an architecture. And if your name gets spit out at the bottom, as a matter of fact, if you're even gold, silver, or bronze, you qualify as a fight. What do you have to do? Because I side with Jake on this. How do you say he's not a fighter? He did the fight four times against other very good athletes who had the same amount of preparation as he did. And there's a little more to the story. And you can point out the Nate Robinson. You can, you can point out some of the stuff. I, I, I understand that. But how do you take that away from Jake? He's a natural power. He's got a natural footwork. He's got a length. He's got very good conditioning, which you can only get by working your ass off. Not to mention his flinches are great. I don't hear people giving him credit for that. But he will flinch and you will react. And that takes a lot of practice. So it kind of comes down to, because Jake said to him, I'll fight anybody you've got 
anybody you have on a contract. And Eddie Hearn goes, well, that's 400 people. And Jake goes, I'll fight any of them in any weight if they have less than 10 fights. Now, that's another side of Jake that must continue to be told. The Jake Paul story does not work unless he continues to add that, where he makes himself vulnerable, where he acknowledges, I am not the new Sugar Ray Leonard. When Jake comes out and says anybody under 10 fights, could be a smaller guy, could be a bigger guy, as long as they're limited in experience, I'll knock him out. Now, whether he will or not, whether he can or can't, you're now seeing an authentic attitude, which we do want to see. We don't want to see workers. We don't want to see performers. We'll go watch WWE for that. We want to see somebody that really does want to compete to attempt to try to prove something. To prove they're tough, to prove a point, to prove their love for the sport. they got to be able to prove something. And this is just, I thought it really came through well when Jake was speaking about it. Now, I have shared with you guys until I'm blue in the face. Jake Paul is the most feared person in boxing. He's the feared person in boxing, not because these guys that are boxing and have a dream and they want to be a main event or they want to be on Showtime or they want to have press conferences, they want to have some media attention, they want to get a whole bunch of money. They don't want to take the risk of going in and losing to a guy that their own community has dismissed. It is as simple as that. I realize that Will Flurry keeps calling him out. I get that. Please don't think you need to correct me because I'm going to throw it right back in your face that Jake accepted the call out, signed the contract, and showed up that night, Will did it. It's relevant. Stop. You got to stop. That, that, that is settled business. That is behind us. And I don't see any other boxer because Jake made an announcement over the weekend. He announced when he's returning to boxing. Just so you understand this, this timeline, when Jake left to go and help promote Amanda... He said, I'm going to stop everything until she gets this great big business done at Madison Square Garden. I'm going to put all my energy into preparing her and also building her. Well, the second she was done, he then came in and said, guess what? I'm back. And he's even got a date. A main event. You tell me anybody else that can sit down on Showtime with Errol Hawani and Eddie Hearn. Nobody. So now I've proven we have a star here. I'm proven we have a commodity. But he also announced when he's going to fight. Very specifically. You know what he didn't include in that announcement? Who? What weight class? And you want to know why he didn't include that? He doesn't know. He doesn't have an opponent. He doesn't have an opponent because my original premise is true. He's the most feared man in boxing. If he would have pulled that in MMA, oh my God, we would have jumped on it. And by we all personally, I would have been all over that. I would have attached my name to that. I would have, I would have had my graphic designer make a poster. I would have dropped it as though it was the UFC. I would have spread the rumor. I would have gone out and got the fight. Nobody's even called him out. Nobody's even tweeted they want to be that partner. All of a sudden, all these tough guys in boxing, all of a sudden, all 400 guys that Eddie Hearns got under contract that he just gave a verbal agreement that he will fall, all of a sudden, they're all busy in September. It's a very interesting thing. And if we're just going to hate on Jake, okay. But if we're going to be a little bit more reasonable, Jake is doing his side of it. He is. MMA guys don't give a damn. Greatest trick Dana White ever pulled is making losing acceptable. It's okay. You can get beat. MMA guys won't back down just because they know they're the B-side. They will show up anyway. They'll use it in experience. They'll try to get better. They'll propel themselves into something else. 
boxing has made losing unacceptable. And these guys are so scared that they're going to lose to Jake that they will put all of their dreams on hold. There's not one of those boxers out there that could get in there with Jake, and this is this is Will included. In the entire body of his career, they will make more money than he could in that one night. You would think that would get you through some anxiety, right? You would think that great big pot of gold will make the risk worth it. Apparently not. Coming up in a moment, I'm going to stay in the boxing world and continue to talk about Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury. But before that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. Guys, our show sponsor today is from my new favorite cryptocurrency, Marshall Anu. As the first sports-based cryptocurrency, Marshall Anu donates Ethereum, a popular crypto coin, to amateur and professional mixed martial arts athletes, giving them and their team the support they need to pursue their goals. Founded by a team of crypto experts, the code behind the MRI token is published on Etherscan and has been publicly verified and audited by two of the top cryptocurrency auditing firms, Solidity Finance and Certic. For a list of answers and common questions and the project light paper, check out marshallanew.com. The calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie, the banana split. There are a ton of ways to come out on top in the octagon and for UFC 274, there's one more. With DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers, bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. So choose your fighter, then sit back and watch the action unfold. Anything can happen on fight night, but the DraftKings Sportsbook, you've got a sure thing for UFC 274. Bet $5 and get $150 in free bets if your fighter wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down $5 on any UFC 274 fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code CHAIL. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, guys, I brought you a poll. I put it on YouTube and I got 115,000 people to respond. Now, it wouldn't matter what you're doing in life. If you want any focus group where you can go right to the market and you can get 115,000 responses, you're going to have a damn good idea how this election's going to go, right? It was 80-20, guys. And here was the question I just asked you. If you had a choice, right now you don't have a choice. Looks like it's going to be Francis versus Fury if everything goes well. But if you had a choice, would you rather go through with that and see Francis box Fury or would you rather see John Jones? Box Fury. And I thought it was going to be a very interesting question. I thought it was going to be very fair. I thought it was going to be uh, stimulating and thought-provoking. Guys, it was 80-20 and Gano. For a number of different reasons, but most of them were personal and had nothing to do with the match. Most of them said things like, you can't take a drug cheat like John Jones and send him over to do something special. 
when you have a guy who got through life the hardest way imaginable and became a success. You got to give him the opportunity. Now that's okay. I don't, I don't begrudge that. Whatever your reason is, but this was generally the theme. And I'm the first guy to know the fan is the last person that knows what he wants, right? I read a book about 19 years old. It's called The Paradox of Choice. And it greatly influenced me. And it just talked about any business is going to make a big mistake when they give the customer a whole bunch of options. And I've been to restaurants that have done that. Have you ever been to a restaurant? Let me give you an example. Have you ever been to a restaurant where they bring you a burger and when they set your meal down, they set a condiment tray on the table. That's where the mayonnaise or the Thousand Island or the secret sauce or the ketchup, the mustard, that's where it is. You are then to take the bun off and you are then to put it on. Have you ever been to a restaurant like that? Most of you are going to say no. The reason you're going to say no is there's never been a restaurant to do that that has survived. It is a death nail. Your job is to put forward the best burger. I will then try it. I will then try the other guy that says he is a better burger and whichever one of you is right is who's going to be patronized in the future. That's how it works. You don't let some jerk come over because he wants to put five inches of onion on a burger. You need to stop him. You need to tell him that's a dumb idea. It's very, it's very real though. And when I come to you, I don't fully accept your guys' answer. I got it. It's Francis. That's 115,000. And by the way, that's you. I don't argue with you guys. I ask you guys questions. I support you guys. I just don't know how much you actually know what you're, what you want to see. I mean, I have heard a number of people say, I want to see Francis box. That's a very weird thing to say. I mean, do you say that about anybody else? Did you want to see Willie Mays box? Do you want to see Brett Favre box? Did you want to see LeBron James box? Why would you want to see somebody box that doesn't box? Why him? Why him? What's different? Oh, Chael, I can answer. He's a big power puncher, and that's always been his dream. That's it? There's a lot of big power punchers whose dream is to box. Why do you want to see him box? If you want to just see him box so goddamn bad, let's have him box Stipe. Do you still want to see it? Let's have him box Derek Lewis. You want, to see, you want to see him box? Let's have him box Derek Lewis. Are you going to have the same anticipation? So in all fairness, what, one thing that we have derived, one thing that is glaringly obvious, is this is about Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is a massive star. If you study economics for 15 minutes, you wasted 14. Supply and demand. Stop right there. Stop right there. Tyson Fury has a huge demand. That was proven a week ago in front of 94,000 live people. That is an insanely success event. Insanely successful event. He then took the supply away. He retired. He's done. So right now, the only information that we have that we're predicated everything emotion-wise is about Fury boxing and gun because that's all he said he's going to do. And it's very difficult to not like Francis. I got to tell you, I only met him once and it was brief in fairness, but he was not who I thought he was. He was a real human being. Turns out Francis has feelings. Who would have thought that, right? Got this big, scary guy, baddest dude in the world. Turns out he's a human being. I didn't know that as silly as it might sound. I thought like he was playing by different rules. This scary monster, he's got a regular guy. And I think he's showing that. There used to be a real uh, belief. Daniel Cormier weighed in two months ago as it pertained to Chimaev, that Chimaev should remain mysterious. I thought that about Francis until Francis started getting out there more. Turns out he's funny. And it turns out he's calm. It turns out he speaks to you like a pacifist. 
the world unarmed combat champion speaks to you like a pacifist? He's just not what you would think. It's very hard to be upset with him. Even his back and forth with the UFC, he's been above board. He has said what he thinks. He has said his stance. He has not played games. He's been straightforward. He didn't owe us that. That's in a private room between these two and these two. We get the result later. Those conversations are going right now with all sorts of guys you just don't know about. Francis decided to let us in on it. When Francis goes over to boxing, you're going to be resist. The boxing community has something specifically that they like. But Francis never went over there and disrespected them. He never went over and put any of them down. I would have encouraged him too. I would have encouraged him to go up in front of 94,000 people and have them absolutely lose their mind. But he was very polite. He's never put fury down, not once. He never put the sport of boxing down. He never tried to step in front of anybody. He was very matter-of-fact. He's been very straightforward. He just hasn't upset anybody. Francis comes across as a really decent person. What do you do with that? Because I'm not sold on the idea that you want to see Francis box. I don't believe you. As much as you hold your hand over a Bible and swear on your knees, I don't believe you. If I told you you can see him box, you're going to see him box Ty Tavasa. You're going to see him box John Jones. I, I don't think it's the same thing. You're going to see him box Dylan White. All of a sudden, you who are just 100% insisting to me you want to see Francis box, all of a sudden you don't. All of a sudden, it's not that big of a deal. All of a sudden, why don't we just do that in MMA? So I think that we have established that it's Fury. And I think that we've also established that there's some kind of competitiveness to that, if not spectacle. And a spectacle will work. It's not sustainable, but it can be done every 10 years. Every 10 years, you can bring James Tony in. Every 10 years, you can get Connor and Floyd together, right? Like, there is a time. And it's been four or five years since we've done it. It's been half of a decade. It's going to be another year until we get, I mean, that time does appear to be now. But when I read the poll and I see people say, I want to see him box. No, I don't think that you do. I don't think that that's true. He's going to go back to Cameroon. He's going to box. If, if he wins, he's going to make the Olympic team. Is that going to be on pay-per-view? And if so, are you guys going to pay 50? I don't think you want to see him box. And I also don't, I also think that the opponent has got to be extremely specific, but that was fair in Conor McGregor's case too. If Conor would have gone over and boxed Pacquiao, it was a very different night than if he boxed Floyd. If he would have boxed uh, Canelo or Triple G or... Uh, bring in flavor of the month in the sport of boxing right now, it's going to be very different, right? So I don't know what to make of it. I just want to concede. I want to concede and I'm attempting to back down. I have told you until I'm blue in the face, nobody wants to see that. I'm wrong. There's 115,000 people that want to see it, just that I know of, just in an eight-hour period. Oh, and by the way, it's got to be specific. They want it to be boxing. They, nobody said they wanted to see MMA. Nobody said they wanted to see a grab. They want to see boxing. It's also specific to the participants, which in this case is Fury and is Francis. So before I get into this weekend's pay-per-view, I need to address a photo that's going around online because if this photo happens to be legit, then we're in for a treat. So a picture is circulating the internet, right? I get it. Already conspiracy. Okay, maybe, maybe, or maybe some... Inside information got out. Look, the UFC has what's called a war room. 
and Dana White films all sorts of things out of the war room. The uh, now you know segment, just by example. The way that that looks is they put the date, right? In this particular case, it's International Fight Weekend, which is the July 2nd, and then you put the card. And just both names are right by there, so you have an easy reference point. A picture from within the war room that if you blow up, you can read the wall that has International Fight Week's card on it. And the expected co-main event, as was listed from said photograph, is Chemayev versus Nate Diaz. Now, the whole question is, do you believe it? It's one of those spots where I personally do, as long as you allow me to give you the caveat, a lot of times what goes up on that wall is not signed. It's not agreed to. It's this is what we're going for. So uh, along that vein, by no means am I announcing to you, it's going to be Chemayev, it's going to be Diaz, and it's going to be July 2nd. But do I believe that that was legitimate? It was not photoshopped. It's not a spoof. It's not an attempt for attention. And that that is legitimately up on the wall in the war room at the UFC. Yeah, I do. Yeah, sure. For a couple of real simple reasons. Adesanya versus Cannoneer was to be the main event. Now that fight's going to happen, and we know that. We just haven't been told when. Another match uh, that fits that same criteria is Leon versus Kamara. That fight has been announced, almost a record, almost a record amount of days has gone by since that fight has been announced, not being given a location or a date. So that was also believed as the Turner Reid, Conor McGregor coming. Like there was all sorts of speculation on that. But Jared Cannonier tweeted out a day ago that he had signed his contract to fight Adesanya, but he followed that up by saying, more big news to come. And there's really not a lot more news after you sign a contract to fight Adesanya that we can't connect the dots on. It's going to be under the unified rules. It's going to be 185 pounds. It's going to be a five-round contest. It's going to be on pay-per-view. The championship's on the line. Like, like we kind of got it all. Unless you were getting headlining placement on the biggest card of the year. That would be news. And Jared Cannonier did tell us there would be news. So I believe it. I also looked at some other fights on there. Strickland versus Alex Pierre. Just by example, we've all been told that fight's going to happen. I thought we had a date for that. I thought that that was set in stone because I know Strickland personally. I know that he's in training camp and has been for a period of time. But that was also rumored to be taking place on July 2nd. Then there was another fight that popped off. Maybe the one that I liked the most, just from an X's and O's. Which was uh, Brian Barbarina taking on Robbie Lawler. I did not see that coming. Did you guys see that one? Lawler versus Barbarina makes a ton of sense. Is an awesome fight. That was an undercard match. But it was still captured within this picture that's circulating online. Brian Barbarina got asked about it, and he confirmed, yes, I am fighting Robbie Lawler on July 2nd. Okay. Not a ton of evidence, right? Like, I mean, your witness, the jury is still out. I will just share with you that I believe it. And I do think that Adesanya versus Cannoneer is a tough sell. As far as being a headliner of a pay-per-view, that is just a tough sell. It just is. There's not going to be a ton to happen there, but you have to have the matches that are the right matches, so we're going to go ahead and do it. Now, you can get away with it if you strengthen the rest of the card. And Chamaya versus Diaz, that works very much. That works more so now than it did three months ago. And you guys re might remember six months ago when Dana said he was going to make that fight. And was it Nate? Am I remember that right? Or did Dana say he was going to give Nick... Shemaya. But you remember that. And Dana only said it once and it didn't go anywhere. We never heard about it again. 
But Shemaiah was looking like this absolute destruction machine, and now it looks like somebody that if they're good enough on the ground, they can protect themselves with. If they can take a punch and they can throw some punches back, you can see some real action, right? Like Shemaiah versus Nate Diaz has a very different feel now. I hope that they don't mess with anything. I hope it stays three fives. Nate is probably going to be mad at me for saying that. I, I just think if it's not a title fight or a main event, I just, right, I'm a purist. I think then it's got to be three fives. Or I think you start to confuse people. You start to wonder why. Why is this co-main event 25 minutes, but this co-main is 15? But I also do think that it changes the match. Look, that's an interesting one. We're all going to come out for that. We're going to have plenty of time for back and forth. My general premise was, one, to bring you this circulating photograph. It's, it's taken over the interwebs in the MMA space. But two, to share my opinion, I think it's real. That doesn't mean they're locked. It doesn't mean they're done. It doesn't mean they have agreements. It doesn't even mean both sides have been contacted. It means this is what the organization would like to do. But Nate has been crystal clear. Get me in there and do it now. And if Chemayev does go against Nate, by the way, it still opens up the question of what happens in the main event of the ABC card that we thought Chemayev's win over Burns advanced him to. So there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things up in the air. As far as the picture, as far as the rumor, as far as it a conspiracy, and it was very well done by some art department with half a brain, no, I think it's a legitimate photo. Rose versus Carlo Esparza. Guys, this is the most under-discussed title fight of 2022. I don't know why. Is it because it's a co-main event and Oliver and Gaethje have stolen all the thunder? Most likely. Most likely, but I want to make sure that you guys understand the timeline here. So many people are so captivated by Rose. I don't know if there is a more loved fighter. Loved fighter, you're talking about a stranger, you're talking about somebody that you don't know, right? If you're the fan, it's very hard to actually love. You might use that word, but it's difficult. Rose is loved. People that don't even know her are brought to tears. They are inspired. She is a special human, right? And I will submit something for you that I don't think you'll have heard anywhere else, which is I do not buy into the idea that Rose is a better fighter today than she was five years ago. I don't. I've watched those tapes. She looks like the same fighter to me, as a matter of fact. It's a different mentality. Rose's ability to deal with pressure, to deal with trying moments, to adjust while under stress and under attack, she is as good of a competitor as the sport has ever had, but she's a much better version of, her, of herself. And I'm picking them random time, but I'm calling it five years ago. That's relevant. One thing that a lot of our new fans don't understand as Rose leads into this fight with Carla, this is a rematch. Not only is it a rematch, the challenger, Carla Sparza, won the first one. It's extremely important that you know that. Because Rose can pick whoever she wants. Now, that's a very broad stroke statement. You're going to have a few names offered. Carla's the number one contender. Carla has earned that. But Rose could have sidestepped her if she wanted to. She did not want to. Rose wants this fight. Rose wants Carla across from her. Rose wants to fix the past. And with the adjustments that Rose has made, she very well could do it. But you got to also understand Carla's position. Carla's position as the best in the world, as the one that beat Rose, is sitting back and going, look at all the acclaim that you're getting. Look at all the fans and the sponsorship and the attention that you're getting. Look at the placements and you're in Madison Square Garden. Look at all the stuff you're getting. I've beaten you. So it's a real motivation for both ladies. 
The good news if you're Team Carla, I don't think that you're dealing with a different fighter. I don't think you're dealing with a better fighter. I don't think that you're dealing with different tools than you did the last time. I really do maintain that. I don't see anything within Rose's skills, offensively or defensively, that are different than the night that she lost to Carla. But there's something different mentally. That's for damn sure. You know, there was a time, I'm out here in Portland, and I get a call from Pat Barry. And Pat says, hey, Rose and I are in town. We want to come into the studio. We want to do your podcast. All right, great. So I give him the address. I drive in, get to downtown Portland. I meet him, and they share with me on the podcast. I'm not speaking out of school here, but this was years ago. I'll recap what they said. Pat had said that they were in Portland. They had rented a van. It was like a Volkswagen van. And they drove out into the middle of nowhere. And I'm talking about the forest, and we got lots of forests out here. They were away from cell phones, away from technology, away from television sets, away from people, away from noise. And they did two weeks. They caught their own food. They lived outside. If they wanted to be warm, they built a fire, this whole thing. But it wasn't for a camping trip. It wasn't a level of a vacation. They had a very specific goal. It was a walkabout. It was a journey for them to look inside and internalize and attempt to change their mindset. Which when you have two athletic competitors, I drew the conclusion that it had to do about sports. However, I will just tell you, when Carla and Pat came out of that walkabout, they were different. I always knew, just to personalize this, that Rose was a very good fighter. I did not know Rose was amongst the best to have ever done it. And if you look at her resume, and you look at the championship, you look that it was lost, you look that she reclaimed championships, you look at the weight classes, you look at the opponents she did it against, it's very hard to say anything other than Rose is the greatest ever. Very difficult. You could do it. You could find some other very meaningful ladies. You will not discuss the greatest ever and not put Rose in the top three and still maintain any level of credibility amongst the community members that you're discussing with, right? It's one of those spots. I didn't know that about Rose. I remember when Rose went out and knocked out Joanna. I thought Rose caught Joanna. So they did an instant rematch. Rose doesn't catch her this time, beats her again. I remember the nights that Rose caught Wei Li. I believed Rose caught Wei Li. So they went and did a rematch. Rose went out and beat her again, all 25 minutes. It's a really interesting ability to compete. And it's a really interesting person who can be on top of the world, but stay motivated. And Rose right now is trying to fix her past. That's a rare spot. Rare that anybody's ever given the opportunity, but rare that somebody can be so damn good that they're even put in the spot where they can go back in time and fix things that they wish they'd have done the first time. So the motivation by both Rose and Carla is powerful. It's opposite. It's the complete opposite motivation, but it's equally as powerful. And how you approach a fight and what you feel going into it has a and plays a huge part in the outcome of that contest. Thug Rose versus Carla Sparza is the most under-discussed title fight of 2022. But now you know the timeline and now you know the history. And it's not just about the punches and the kicks and the positioning. Carla would love to get on top and keep her there. Carla was pretty green back then. Even though Carla won the Ultimate Fighter, even though Carla was the champion of the world, her skills then were not as good as the skills of Carla, who's non-champion, who's not the main event. Number one contender Carla is a more dangerous Carla than champion Carla. So when you have a rematch, you always have to ask yourself the exact same question, which is what's going to be different this time? So I'm asking you, 
And I would love to hear from you. What's your prediction and why? All right, guys, I took a poll. I asked you a question a week ago, which is, if all of Aaron Gaethje were going to go fight, purely stand-up battle, we'll call it Muay Thai, right? You can slip in the knees and the elbows. You can do whatever you want. It's just got to be on your feet. Who would win that? 127,000 of you weighed in. 77% said Gaethje. I mean, that's massive, right? First off, 127,000 people for any poll, that's a very strong and legitimate focus group particularly you guys who know specifically who these athletes are, what they've done, and what you're looking at, 77% favor Justin Gaethje to win under the rules that we laid out, which was just stand up. I went to something called BetDSI. BetDSI, as of right this moment, has Charles Oliveira the favorite. Charles Oliveira is the favorite. Now, those two polls can't go hand in hand. If Justin Gaethje is going to win a stand-up battle and Charles Oliveira is the favorite, what we're saying is that this fight isn't going to be fully contested on the feet. Do you guys agree with that? Am I wrong with my prediction and telling you? I really think this fight is going to be a lot like Gaethje versus Eddie Alvarez, Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier in terms of the bludgeoning, but more specifically, the realm they're going to do it at. I just am so impressed with Justin Gaethje's anti-wrestling. I get that he was a great wrestler. I remember that he had his college paid for. I remember he was fifth in the NCAA, but he doesn't use that wrestling for anything other than defense, which was never on display more than his very last match against Michael Chandler. Chandler wanted that fight on the ground. Chandler did everything right. Chandler's wrestling was perfect. The measuring, the distance, the level change, the closing of distance, where his hands went, the explosion within his hips, his head play, everything was right by Chandler. Never got Gagey down. That's very meaningful. Because I will concede to anybody that is pro-Tony, and I'm not making my pick right now. I'm just guessing what realm are they going to fight in for a later analysis on the prediction of who's going to win. I've been extremely impressed with Oliveira's takedowns. He brought those on display against Tony Ferguson. Went for three takedowns, got all three, did a great job of keeping him there. That was a surprise for me. I did not know Oliveira was strong enough with those takedowns, and those takedowns specifically were double eggs. Shot three double legs, got Tony into the fence, lift him up off the ground, put him down. I get that, but are you telling me that those double legs, even the best offensive wrestling attack of Charles Oliveira, his absolute best attack, is better than the absolute best attack of Michael Chandler? That would be hard for me to agree with. Very hard. If you don't think this fight is going to be on the feet, then I'm asking you who's going to take it to the ground. First off, is that going to be Oliver? Yes, Oliver would like to get it to the ground. That's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you if he would like to get it to the ground. Do you believe that he can? Be a big deal. And if you're saying yes, you're in the minority. So say it really loud because you're going to look really good when this fight is over if you turn out to be right. I think that Gaethje could get it to the ground anytime he wants. I have no confidence that he's going to try that ever. I cannot remember a Justin Gaethje fight, and I have seen them all. I called all of his fights personally, sitting there, ringside, with a microphone, when he was in the World Series of Fighting. And when I tell you I've seen all of his fights, I cannot recall a time. If it happened, I don't remember it. I cannot remember a time ever that he went for a takedown. And if Justin Gaethje is the one to go for the takedown, Justin's going to win the rest of that round. He's not going to get swept. 
He's not going to get submitted. He's not going to get grounded. I got to hear about the elbows all the time of Charles Oliver, right? I, I know that that's a fun thing to talk about. If your guy is on bottom, that's not where you want him. No matter how many times you want to pretend, oh, I want him on bottom. He's got a black belt in this, or he's got an elbow from that. No matter how many times you say it, if you like and you're cheering for a guy, you do not want him on bottom. So these poles don't go together, right? The actual handicappers, the actual place you walk up to the window, you put your money down, which is favoring Oliveira, is in direct conflict with the poll that we just did with 127,000 people that say if it was a stand-up-only battle, it favors Gaethje. Those two don't go hand-in-hand, hand, which means somebody out there is placing bets out a window that one either doesn't agree with us. They think that the stand-up favor battle favors Oliveira. It might. I, by the way, don't know the answer to this question. I'm just asking based on what you've seen before. What do you guess? I think Oliveira is really good on his feet, maybe even a little better than we give him credit for. If you'll remember back to Oliveira versus Poirier, I mean, Poirier can box as well as anybody can. I remember when there was a conversation going around in this sport, who is the sport's absolute best boxer? And it came down to two people. We had a lot of very good boxers, but it came down, you guys, it came down our community to two people, Conor McGregor and Max Holloway. For the sport's absolute best boxers, Dustin Poirier went out and boxed Max Holloway for 25 minutes and won. I believe Dustin won every round. If I'm wrong, it was four rounds to one. The point is he proved that he was a better boxer than Max. Okay, great. Dustin was never in the conversation that we had started for the best boxer, but now it appears that he just might be. And Oliveira went with him. He went very nicely. There was a lot of moments that he won. There was a lot of exchanges that he won. Oliveira's really good on his feet. I do not dismiss him. But I don't think that that's why the Lions favorite Oliveira. I think it's because the Lion thinks that Oliveira is going to take Justin Gaethje down. That's a hard sell, in my opinion. That's a very hard sell. That Oliveira, who's never wrestled before, he's got good wrestling, but he's never wrestled before, can do something that Chandler, who has great wrestling, couldn't do. For me, it's a little bit of a stretch. I don't know. This is between those boys. I'm just bringing you guys two different polls that conflict with one another. So as time and space goes away and the fight gets closer and closer, have you changed your mind? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for always listening and continuing to rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm going to be back on Friday with more UFC 274, and I'll also give my official predictions for the main event and co-main events. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Welcome.